be feeling a little awkward. <laughs> that was hard for me to do. Uh, I just avoided eye contact, looked away. That was probably like five seconds of really bad nonverbal communication. And I did that because today we're going to talk about nonverbal communication. Um, one of my mentors, he, he, had, he had a relationship with uh, this guy. So th- this might be a uh, kind of a startling story, especially to some more sensitive people in the room. But he, he's an older man, my mentor was, and a younger man was talking to him. And, and this younger man just had no idea that he was totally losing the interest of the older man. The, the younger man just kept talking and talking, thinking, oh, th- this is awesome. You know, like everyone is fascinated by what I'm saying. And uh, my mentor just looked at him intentionally with a, a glazed, like, you know, glazed over eyes. And then later he said, hey, did you see what, what was going on? And the younger man was like, no, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, you lost me. Like, I just, you, you just talked too much. And he was trying to help, he was trying to help the younger man see that there are some nonverbal cues that go on when people relate to each other. And it's best when we pick up on those. And of course, none of us are perfect. We're all growing in this. We're all students. But the older man was trying to be a teacher and help the younger man grow because he was totally unaware of these nonverbal communications that were going on. So nonverbal communication includes body language, whether your arms are, you know, folded or to your side, eye contact, whether you're just looking everywhere except at the person you're talking to, um, facial expressions, you know, just a blank stare into nowhere. And today we're talking about nonverbals because it's, it's, part of people skills. It's part of what it takes to relate with people well. Dale Carnegie wrote a book on people skills 81 years ago, 1936. Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People was published. And in his introduction, Carnegie says, I'm writing this book because everyone needs this. Everyone needs to know how to relate well to people, but there's not training out there. Carnegie was just amazed at the lack of training And some of you are smiling because you're in business and I'm guessing you've gone through or you've at least heard of these trainings that continue today. And so from a formal perspective, I think Carnegie was largely right. I mean, 30 million copies of the book have been sold. But from an informal perspective, so so what I'm saying is formally, you're not going to go to a class normally that teaches you how to relate well to people. You'll go to public speaking class, but that's a lot different than conversational class. There is no conversation class at the university unless you're learning another language. That's another deal. But from an informal perspective, if you read the book, and I read it thinking about this, this series, what do people think about people skills? From an informal perspective, as you read the book, it's like, well, that's common sense. It's just a lot of common sense if you're a very reflective person. But that young man, in my example earlier, he just wasn't a very reflective person, so he needed help to know what common sense was. And also, if we reflect theologically, if we reflect based on what God's word has said, um, Carnegie's book, I mean, it's helpful, but it's not the first of its kind. Everything that Carnegie says that's true is actually based on 
what God has said because God made us and he knows who we are as people and how we can best relate with him and with each other. So, for example, um, here's a quote from Carnegie's book. You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get people to become interested in you. Did you get that? You can experience much more success in relationships by considering the interests of others rather than expecting, requiring people to consider your own interests. So does that sound familiar to anyone? Because I think we just all said the same thing. Actually, we were quoting what God said. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Don't look only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So Carnegie basically says, be interested in other people. And the way that you can show that is smile. Just smile. Like that's the nonverbal that Carnegie says. If, if you want to be interested in other people, just, uh, just smile at them and uh, it'll help you. It'll show them that you're interested. And Carnegie even says, that's why people love dogs so much. That's why dogs are so popular. I think in the next slide. There we go. That's why dogs are so popular is because they smile at you when you walk in the door no matter what. And Carnegie says, actions speak louder than words. And a smile says, I like you. You make me happy. I'm glad to see you. And so today, we're going to look at nonverbals. And I want us to examine Carnegie's advice of smile. Uh, I think there's a lot true there. And I think we'll see that from the scripture. But I, I, I kind of want to make some amendments. I want us to uh, make some changes to this very simple, uh, I think simplistic advice of smile. Uh, and, and what is the nonverbals that God's word shows us that, that we're to have? That's what we're going to do today. And, and just to back up, I, I want to remind us, the reason that we're doing this whole series on people skills is because God, like if, I debated doing this, I guess I'm doing it now. If you pull out your cell phone, and if you did, like, if you just hold it out there, and a selfie, you know, selfies are popular, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. If you took a selfie of your face, that is the face that God has chosen to make himself known to the world. God could offer relationship to himself in many, many different ways. And sometimes he does it in extraordinary ways. Like in the Muslim world, he reveals himself to people through dreams. But by and large, we are his ambassadors. His children are the means that he's chosen to make his name known, to, to share the message, the good news of Jesus. And so if you think that your face doesn't matter, you're nonverbal, the way that you carry yourself, it really does. It really does. And so God is doing this relational work. He's drawing people to himself and he's doing it through his people. So, so we want to be a part of what God's doing. And if we want to be a part of what God's doing, it's relationships. And so we've got to pursue excellence in people skills. Again, none of us are perfect, but that's the direction. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. And that's the direction that we want to head. So long before Dale Carnegie felt this need to write a book on people skills, God has spoken about who he is and who we are. But 
I honestly think people don't like what God says quite as much because Carnegie's assumption, Carnegie's assumption is you can do it. Just smile, you know, work those muscles in your face and, and you can be good at people skills. What God says is we're actually helpless <laughs> to do anything well, to do anything in a way that pleases God on our own. We're helpless. We need to cry out to God for help. So, so this series is not a series of self-help which Carnegie's book is a self-help book. This is a series that w- where we would cry out to God, God, help. Help us relate to people well. Help us be your ambassadors to be your face to the world because apart from you, we can't do it. We, we can do nothing apart from you, Jesus. So we're going to stop and pray and just ask God to help us. Lord, we need you. We, we can't even see the faces that we make. We are not always aware of the posture that we have, what our body language is communicating. We don't always realize how it affects other people. And, and we recognize that our actions and our words and our facial expressions, it all flows from who we are on the inside and we can't change our hearts, our inner lives. We, we have no power to change it apart from you. So would you do what only you can do this morning and change us and reveal truth about our nonverbal interactions so that we can love you with our whole being and love our neighbor as ourself. In Jesus' name, amen. So a popular study uh, that I saw this week, I saw it a lot. I don't know if it's true, but it says 93% of all communication is nonverbal. 55% is just your body language. Just your eyes, your face, the way your, your body, you know, what, what your body communicates to other people. And I don't, like I said, I don't know if that study is true, but I do know this. We use emojis all the time. <laughs> and if, if our use of emojis is indicative of the nonverbals, then maybe that study is true. Because emojis aren't just fun, they're also helpful. For example, if I send you a text that says, okay, you could read it and be like, well, did Ben mean, okay, whatever. Or, okay, you know. Or just, okay, that's fine. But if I give you a thumbs up emoji, you know it's all good. We're good to go. So there's something that even an artificial face, like an emoji, communicates that our words, just the text itself, simply can't. And we see nonverbals throughout the Bible. At the very beginning, when Adam and Eve were created and they were set in the garden, they were naked and Genesis 2 said they had no shame. And then a few verses later, when they sinned, they suddenly felt shame. And so what did they do? They sewed together some fig leaves and then they heard God coming through the garden and they hid. They tried to make themselves small. Think about their body language when they're hiding. You're making yourself small. It's communicating what was going on on the inside. They tried to make themselves go unnoticed to God. Or the next chapter, this is a more direct example, Cain and Abel. 
the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he didn't accept Cain and the gift that he brought to God. And that made Cain angry. And, and it's, the Bible says, Cain looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? There's the, the, this nonverbal that God picked up on. And then in Nehemiah, Nehemiah was sad before the king, and he'd never been sad in front of the king before. And the, the king asked him, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? You're not sick. This must be a sadness of heart. So the king was like, Nehemiah, you look different today than I've ever seen you look before. What's the matter? Why are you so sad? So these are, I just want to, that, that's just a beginning, but there's a smattering, like throughout all the scriptures, there's all these nonverbals. And when I started looking for them, I was amazed uh, at w- their, how prevalent they are, that they're just there. So again, we're, we're going to look at God's word and we're going to examine Carnegie's advice of smile. Like, w- we want people to like us, Carnegie says, and so put your good face on and just smile. And I want us to make some amendments, you know, kind of put some, some meat on those bones and, and make it something that is actually helpful. So uh, we're going to have three amendments to Carnegie's advice of smile and, you know, people will like you. So the, the first amendment is in the Bible we see that much of the nonverbal communication, it, it depends on the time and place. So smile when appropriate is the first amendment. Is it the right time to smile or is it the right time to laugh or is it the right time to cry? In Nehemiah's case, he had reason to be sad because his people's homeland was in utter ruins. Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time and a season for everything under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. So when we're thinking about our nonverbal communication, we have to know that there's a time for some nonverbals and, a, and not a time for that same nonverbal in a different situation. So you, I think the, the obvious question is, how do I know <laughs> what it's the right time for? And the answer is situational awareness. That's what, the, that's what my my mentor was trying to teach the younger man is, hey, you need to be a little bit more situationally aware. And the Bible says that having this situational awareness is part of what it means to be wise. In Proverbs 26, we see this where it says, do not answer a fool according to his folly or you will be just like him. And then the very next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. So which is it? Don't answer a fool or answer a fool? It depends. Situational awareness. What's going to come out of it? And so my application for us from this first point is that there is a time and a season for everything, but who gets to decide that? Whoever is Lord, whoever's calling the shots of your life gets to decide What's the proper time and place to communicate particular nonverbals? What's the, what's the right time and place 
to act a certain way. And as we, as we do this, as we, as we ask these questions of God and we discern this in community, uh, we, we get to see kind of our blind spots because we're not always aware of what's showing up on our own faces. Uh, when I was in college, I was an RA and we had a staff meeting and uh, my boss was like presenting an idea to us and she said, Ben, you're not a big fan of that idea, are you? <laughs> and unbeknownst to me, my face was just telling her and everyone else, I think that's dumb. <laughs> uh, but when, when, when we live life with other people, our blind spots are revealed like that. And that, that leads to the second amendment, the second change that I want to make to Carnegie's advice of smiling. And that is that your face is an outer representation of your inner person. So Carnegie would say, smile and things will go better. But the Bible says your face is just, it's, it's bound to show up what's going on inside of you. And of course, you can mask it. You know, you can come to church for an hour, smile, and then go home and, and be a grump. You can, but over time, it's going to be revealed. You cannot mask it forever. Even if you mask it all the way till judgment day, God will know your heart. He'll know the, the face, the, the, the facial expression of your insides. And so Proverbs 15, 13 says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful. So it's saying this cheerful face comes from a happy heart, but heartache crushes the spirit. And then Proverbs 15 also says that your looks can impact someone else's heart. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. And Job, when Job was suffering, he, he considered taking Carnegie's advice. He thought about putting on a good face, but he said, if I say to myself, I'm going to forget my complaint, I'm going to forget my suffering, I'll change my expression and smile. Even though I'm suffering, I'll just choose to smile. Job said, I'd still be miserable because it doesn't change anything on the inside. And Job's real struggle was, why did God allow me to suffer this way? I'm still going to dread that question. I'm still going to dread my suffering. So the second amendment is that our face, what's going on on the outside Ultimately, it is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And that leads us to our, our third amendment, the, the, the final change that I want to make to Carnegie's advice, which is that we have to look to God for our hearts and our faces, our nonverbals to be shaped. And when we look to God, when we look to his word, I've seen this prevailing picture of God's people uh, the, the prevailing nonverbal picture in Scripture is that we walk with our heads held high. That's the nonverbal picture throughout all Scripture. So I want to give you some of these, starting in Leviticus 26. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke, broke the bars of your slavery, and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Or Psalm 27.6. The psalmist says, now my head will be lifted up above my enemies and I'm going I'm to offer God praise 
With shouts of joy, I'll sing praises to the Lord. Or Psalm 3, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory. And listen to this, the one who lifts my head. And then Jesus in Luke 21 said, but when these things begin to take place, distress throughout the world, people are fearful and deeply troubled about what's going on. When the last days are coming, Jesus said, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So Jesus is saying, live with humble, conf- humble confidence and let, let your body language, let your nonverbals show that because you're not going to be put to shame if you're following me. So Jesus says, walk with your heads held high. And, and the, the biblical story is that we don't walk with our heads held high. We don't put on a good face because we have confidence in ourselves. It's because we have confidence in Christ. We have confidence in the God who saved us. He took our heads that were downcast in shame because of our sin, just like Adam and Eve and Cain and, well, I guess, yeah, Cain. <laughs> he was dejected and God lifted our heads in Christ. And so our body language is actually one way that we work, our, our, we work out our faith. Faith without deeds is dead. And so Carnegie would say smile because it'll help you win favor with men and that'll help you succeed. And the gospel says smile because Christ has won God's favor for you. So we don't smile in order to win favor. We smile because Christ has won us God's favor. And we don't need the favor of men. And like I said, none of us do this perfectly, but as we move in this direction, as we repent and believe and keep repenting and keep believing, God continues to lift up our heads when we fall. So in conclusion, yes, smile, but do so when it's appropriate. Use situational awareness as Jesus is your actual Lord. You just don't claim that he's your Lord, but you actually follow him and you hear from him. And you ask him questions. God, would you help me to know how to love this person or what to do in this situation? So smile when appropriate. And often it is appropriate because we have this new heart. And, and out of the, the joyfulness in our heart, we have a cheerful face. It comes out like Proverbs 15 talks about. But ultimately, we smile because in Jesus, God has lifted up our heads. So we're going to close in prayer now, but we're, we're going to, I'm going to encourage you to pray in a unique way. I'm going to encourage us to pray using our nonverbals, and you don't have to do this, but pray with your head lifted up. And this is a biblical picture. You don't have to pray this way all the time, but pray with your head lifted up. If you've been forgiven from your sins, there's nothing that's keeping you, your head downcast, dejected, in shame. And if you can, I don't care if your eyes are open or closed. If you have a fluorescent light above you, I'd close them. <laughs> pray with your head lifted up. And I'd, I'm going to pray with my hands out to receive in freedom from God. And yeah, I just, I, I want to use this opportunity to say, we're not a church that expects you to always sit or always 
worship with a smile on your face. You can cry. You can lift your hands. You can clap. Uh, We trust that you're not going to be making a show or doing it for the praise of men, but nonverbals are a way that we can worship. And they're really important in our relationship with other people and obviously in our relationship with God. So we're going to pray now. Father, we hold our head high, not because any of us have come close to earning the right to talking with you, but because of who you are. You paid for our sins on the cross, Jesus. You've been raised to life. And now we ask that you would instruct us regarding even the way that we live non-verbally with you and with others. Pray that our face and the expressions we make would be fitting to situations, that our body language would be pleasing to you and helpful to those around us. God, if there's any patterns in our life that we don't see, shiftiness of, of our eyes because we don't really care about what other people are telling us, pray that you'd convict us of any selfishness. Help us to consider the interests of others and we rely on you for that.